Welcome back everyone, thanks for joining. In today's video, we're gonna be going over my plan for 2024, how I plan on investing. Now, I'm gonna be referencing a write-up that I did back in August of this year called What's My Edge? It answers a question of, what is my edge as an investor? How do I plan to beat the market? How do I plan to do better than the average investor? That's the entire purpose of this write-up. What we're gonna be doing today is going over this and I'll be giving some context and input. Now. This comes at a time where the market has raced up this year. Investors are feeling good about themselves. I think if you look at your portfolio, the reaction is probably the same. You probably think you're doing pretty good this year. And that's the feeling that we get when the market's going up. You have to feel good about yourself. With my portfolios, it's no different. I look at the passive income portfolio. It's had an incredible year. We're up 31%, beating out the S&P 500 by over 6%. We've done that while also having a good 2022. So I'm very happy and satisfied with the performance of this portfolio. I think it's done wonderful. We also have the Story Fund, my smaller portfolio that's had an incredible year. Now, 2022 was not as good for this portfolio, but it's had an incredible 2023, up 69% money weighted. And in fact, if we look at it and compare it against the S&P 500, it's actually pulled ahead by a couple percent. So we've made a full recovery in this portfolio. We're now beating the S&P 500 since the very beginning, albeit just by a tiny amount. But either way, when I look at the performance this year, I look at everything moving up, all my investments that I put a lot of money in going up in price, and it feels good. It makes you feel good about yourself. It makes you think you've done a really good job this year. But this feeling of seeing everything do really well, seeing all your investment thesis is seemingly working out perfectly, seeing stocks going up and you're even beating the market in some cases, that's an incredibly good feeling. And I will admit, it, it does feel good to see that this year. But I also believe that this type of event, when this happens, I think this is where investors start to get into trouble. I think it's where they start to get a little bit lazy, a little bit complacent. You start feeling so good about yourself and that all your decisions have worked out that you let your guard down at a time where your guard should be at the very top. You should be the most alert right now than you've ever been. If we look at the market right now, the fair and greed index shows that we are bouncing between the category of extreme greed and greed. Investors right now are not being scrupulous. They're not being discerning. They're not picking and choosing good and bad companies. They're just throwing money at everything. And we've seen this greed manifest in the markets over the past month alone. Look at the amount of inflows going into the S&P 500. Billions and billions of dollars every single day being put into the S&P 500. Investors aren't being discerning, picking and choosing which companies to buy based off of nuanced analysis on their future cash flows. They're just throwing money to get part of this rally, to get in the market. And I believe strongly, again, this is where investors get in trouble. Instead of becoming complacent and lazy and loose with the rules, and not really paying attention to what you're buying or selling, but believing that anything goes up, now is the time where we should be doing the exact opposite, where we should be on guard more than we have the entire year. Because when the market gets lazy and something happens in the future the market doesn't like, that's when things get tough. That's when we get challenged. In this video, what I'm going to go over is a review of something that I wrote as a Patreon exclusive. So I published this initially exclusively to the Patreon or the Discord in August 23rd of this year. This write-up answers the big question, what is my edge? Meaning what is my competitive advantage? So let's go ahead and jump in. 
The logic is pretty simple. If you have no edge in the market and you are doing the same things other investors are doing, you're going to have market average returns. Consistent and reliable superior performance is the result of having an edge. An edge is a competitive advantage over the average investor. It's what separates you from everyone else. An edge can come in various forms, but it's important for every investor to understand what their edge is if they wish to outperform. With that in mind, here's my edge as an investor. We'll start off with the first one here. Having a superior assessment of future risks. The reason that I highlighted this one to begin with is because it's become my main focus. It's what my entire portfolio basically exists around, the ongoing durability of a company. My primary focus with analysis on a company is to assess the long-term durable competitive advantages of a business. A business needs to have this before I consider valuation or growth rates. Everybody says they want companies that are really good, really durable, and have really big moats. That's something almost every investor looks for. But at the same time, most investors will sacrifice the durability and predictability for lower valuations. They'll see a company that sold off, it will really tempt them to buy into that company at a low PE ratio, and they'll sacrifice business quality for that cheaper business. What I've decided to do is never sacrifice predictability for valuation. I'm looking for companies that are highly predictable, that have long-term durable competitive advantages. Does the business have high barriers to entry? Does it have the majority market share? Is it a product or brand name deeply entrenched? Does it sit at the top of the food chain? How difficult would it be to take market share? Does this business require a lot of PhDs with high R&D budget to grow? Does the business grow only by acquisition? Does the business use a lot of leverage? Will this business survive a bad recession? You can look at these questions, and just from these questions alone, you can determine a lot of the quality of a business. Lower quality businesses don't have majority market share. They have intense competition. They don't sit at the top of the food chain. They require expensive employees to grow. They depend on acquisitions time and time again. Those are lower quality businesses that I'm moving away from. On the other hand, low risk businesses are ones that have a dominant market position, high barriers to entry, deeply entrenched brand names and distribution, cash rich balance sheets, organic revenue growth through volume and pricing, and no reliance on risky research and development spend. If you find a business that meets all of those characteristics, that is a low-risk business because you know it's going to grow for a long period of time. It'll end up justifying almost any valuation as long as it's not egregious. Last year, I committed to not venture into lower-quality businesses despite the valuation or despite seeing how much money other people are making with them. I saw this story play out once before in 2021. Everyone was investing in the ARK Innovation ETF. These lower quality businesses that were going to the moon, going up 100%, 200%, 300%. But their performance is very short-lived. If the quality of the business is low, eventually the prices will come down for these businesses. They will run into troubles. The higher quality businesses, the monopolistic, dominant ones, are the ones that continue to compound year after year. And for 2024, I'm once again recommitting to this strategy. So the first edge I have as an investor is looking for companies that have predictability and avoiding speculation, which many investors in the market continue to do. They will speculate in 2024. Most of the speculators will lose money. Some of them will make money. Ultimately, it is a gamble. But overall, the future expected returns of speculation is very low. The future expected returns of buying compounders that are incredibly dominant businesses that have proven themselves over years of time 
is very high. It's been proven high for literally decades. So this is a big edge that investors have that most investors aren't willing to use. The second edge I believe I have as an individual investor is having a concentrated portfolio. This is a quote from John Neff. He's a great investor that helps run the Chuck Ockery portfolio. He says, quote, if you flip a coin, the average outcome would be 50% heads, 50% tails. The more times you flip the coin, the more likely you are to get to that average. The fewer you flip, the more likely you are to get an outcome that deviates from the average. Most investors focus on highly diversified portfolios that end up closely matching the performance of the index. My portfolio is not a closet index. The capital is concentrated into only a handful of companies, 8 to 15. This level of concentration allows for a divergence from the benchmark performance. This is really simple. The more that you diversify, the more likely you are to have average aggregate benchmark performance. If you have 40 or 50 individual companies, you're likely just going to follow the S&P 500 really closely with very little deviance in outcome. My portfolio, my main one, has 11 positions, 11 instead of 500. It had 31% performance year to date, which is 6% above the S&P 500. That is a divergent outcome in a single year. The Story Fund had 70% performance year to date, while the QQQ had 40 and the S&P 500 had 25. So that is an incredibly divergent outcome. Both of my portfolios have this divergent outcome from the benchmark because they're concentrated into only a few companies. And being concentrated allows you to have a greater level of research on what you own. I can know what I own when I own 11 companies. If I owned 50 companies, it'd be almost impossible for me to really know what I own. Doing research on 50 companies is nearly impossible. Now, the next edge is having a long-term mentality and holding period. This one's a tough one. This one a lot of people fail at. It's becoming common for investors to say that they're long-term. That's what everyone will tell you. They'll say they're long-term, but investors' words differ from their actions. The average holding period of an individual investor is only 10 months. On average, people are holding stocks for less than one year. Now, the average holding period for a mutual fund is better, but still bad at two and a half years. So just to get this straight, the average investor is holding stocks for only 10 months. Mutual funds hold them for two and a half years. What I'm trying to do is hold companies for over five and a half years. So the way that I look at it, the only way that I'm going to have a long holding period with my stocks is by selecting the right stocks. If I'm making bad picks or I have bad analysis, I'll be constantly turning over companies because I'll pick a stock, it'll do terribly, I'll finally decide to sell it once it has terrible performance. If you find investors that are constantly selling off stocks, they're going out of business, their business model's getting crushed, that is a clear indication that that investor does not have a good research process. They're not doing good analysis on stocks. They don't have good stock selection. If an investor picks out 11 stocks and they can hold eight of them for 10 years, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good batting average. I'm not going to pick every stock perfectly, but I'm going to try. I want every single stock I pick to be a compounder, a multi-year gainer. Companies like Costco, where I picked it once in 2017, and it just grows and grows and grows. Stock price goes up as it follows the fundamentals. Those are the type of companies I'm looking at. What I want to avoid is constant turnover, buying and selling of companies, realizing that I made mistakes. That's what I don't want to do with this portfolio. So far, I think I'm on a good track, especially this year, but we'll see in the future. This is going to be something that I recommit to, having a long holding period 
by virtue of good stock selection. Now, the next thing is another thing I think a lot of investors struggle with, and this one applies equally to ETFs as it does individual stocks. Remaining patient, unemotional, and disciplined is a massive edge in investing and one that many investors don't use. I'd say even most investors don't use. I seek to be patient, unemotional, and disciplined with my approach to investing. This means I don't get excited when stocks go up. I don't become sad when stocks go down. I don't become complacent or arrogant when my portfolio is doing well. Now, this last line is something that speaks to me right now. My portfolios are doing well, so it's easy to get complacent or arrogant and think you're doing so great that you don't need to concern yourself. This is where investors get lazy. They get caught off guard because they no longer have discipline with their approach. So even though stocks have raced up, I feel like I have greater need for discipline right now than I had a year ago. The, the need for discipline has increased. Now, remaining patient, unemotional, and disciplined seems cliche, but it's truly an edge that most investors are not going to follow. The majority of investors feel safe in being with the crowd. This is human behavior. When others start selling, they feel pressure and urgency to sell as well. Oh no, stocks are going down. I don't want to lose all my gains. I better sell. They want to stop losing money. When others are buying, they feel pressure and urgency to buy as well. They don't want to miss out on the potential gains. The disciplined investor has an edge over the emotional investor. This is something that will never change. There's going to be a huge cohort of investors that are undisciplined and emotional. They're going to drive momentum in the market. You see it right now. Last month, many investors are pouring money in the market after it's risen up 25%. When a year ago, they were reluctant to buy when prices were low. This is undisciplined, emotionally driven investing. The more disciplined we can be, the more patient we can be, the better our returns will be. Now, finally, I reiterate something that is similar to the first point, but more on the note of predictability. A lot of what goes on in the stock market could more accurately be described as gambling than investing. This is something that Charlie Munger frequently pointed out, that most so-called investors were not investors, they were gamblers. Quote unquote, investors, that speculate on short-term price movements, catalysts, one-year projections, upgrades and downgrades, and leverage tools to trade stocks. This is glorified gambling. Most investors that use these tactics have subpar returns. An investor buys an interest in a business and makes the gains by the intrinsic value and cash flows of the business over the life of the business. Investors don't speculate on short-term price movements. Gamblers do. And this market right now is full of gamblers. You'll see them on YouTube videos. You'll see them in Twitter. You'll see people wondering what's going to happen in the next week. CNBC has gamblers come on every day saying that they're so-called investors. But if we accurately put these groups of people into two different buckets, there's very few actual investors and many, many speculators and gamblers. The more that you can be on the investor side, the better of an edge you have. I seek to invest in highly predictable outcomes. Companies that have an extremely high chance of success with minimal chance of failure. Companies that are, by my estimate, inevitable winners. Predictability is most heavily weighted attribute in my selection criteria. Ranking above valuation. If I lack confidence in the outcome of a company, I will sell it and move on to a company with a more predictable outcome. So again, a lot of what investors or so-called investors do in this market, in my opinion, it's gambling. When they don't know what the outcome is going to be, when it's extremely unpredictable, when it could easily go either way, that is a gamble. What I'm looking for are sure things, bets that have incredibly high chances of success. 
where it's so high chance of success, it's nowhere close to gambling. And that's something, again, I'm recommitting to this year. Now, final thoughts on this. Notice how none of these edges are because of superior intelligence or analytical skills. They're all behavioral edges. Buffett has repeatedly said throughout the year, along with Peter Lynch and many other greats, that good investing does not take mathematical expertise. Money is made by having the right temperament, patience, and stomach for investing. Controlling these behaviors is pivotal to long-term outperformance. So this is my primary focus and what I'll be judging myself on. So that's my list I put together. And you have access to this document. It's linked in the pinned comment below. Now, this is all things that I'm aspiring to, but again, I'm not gonna do perfect in 2024. I'm gonna make mistakes. We'll have, we'll have some issues come up. I'm not sure what they're gonna be. I can't see the future but I am excited about next year. I'm hoping things go well, and the best I can do is my absolute best. And that I promise you, I will try my absolute best to do well in investing. But that is my commitment. I'll be doing my best this year. Now, I hope you enjoyed the video. I look forward to 2024. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Other than that, see you in the next one.